This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we have as a guest Mark Halma. Mark is an associate broker at Raincatcher. It's a business brokerage and M&A firm. Mark's passionate about helping business owners navigate the exit process, ensuring maximum value and return for all the hard work that they put in. He spent his time working for organizations across multiple industries and phases such as tech, startups, Fortune 100 consulting companies, and business brokerage firms. This array of experience has made Mark a savvy, business-minded individual who enjoys working with organizations of all backgrounds and situations. He understands the value of a strong partnership and has a track record of delivering successful outcomes for entrepreneurs and business owners alike. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's an honor. I appreciate you allowing me onto this great podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, Mark, give us a snapshot of your background and kind of how you got from there to here. Certainly, certainly happy to uh, run through that. So I've been in sales all my life, kind of always had that sales knack and, and interest in being involved as a sales professional and building my career around that. It's kind of a struggle sometimes when you're just getting into the sales world of where to start, what is the industry, what is the type of employment I'm looking for, and ended up starting off in more of a service-based sales organization that was focused on project management and business analysis training. And what I really enjoyed about this is it gave me the confidence to talk to CTOs and CIOs at very large Fortune 1000 companies. You would have asked a 19-year-old Mark if he would be confident ever being in front of somebody like that. I would say you're crazy. But that really helped me gain the confidence required going forward as a sales professional to be able to talk to anyone without any sort of intimidation or worry and just be yourself and present what you have. So started in the service-based world, moved over to more of your product and widget space working for a company that focused on IT infrastructure. This was back when solid state drives were really starting to make a big push within storage uh, systems and infrastructures. That was with the startup, which was really, really exciting. I was actually the 99th employee to be hired by that company. I was there for about three years. And when I left, there was over 500 employees. I mean, the business had successfully sold for $875 million. Loved that experience working with a younger company in that startup phase where everybody's kind of running around with their the chicken with their head cut off, but it's, it's truly <laughs> controlled chaos with a common goal. Having everybody have some skin in the game, whether that was equity or just the drive to build this company, created a really positive and exciting environment and really enjoyed the work there from a cultural perspective and having a product that you know was so innovative and new and different that you could really get behind and feel passionate about when pitching to potential customers. Really enjoyed that experience due to the sale and some of the uncertainty that comes. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more when there is an acquisition like this. I moved over to another company that focused more on the consulting service-based side of things. What I found there is that corporate type of life maybe wasn't a best fit for me personally and wanted to get into kind of a smaller size company once again, not a company that has 45,000 employees, but wanted to be involved in a smaller organization. And that's when I got into the brokerage world. So the next business that I joined focused on the senior housing and skilled nursing facility space. So brokering assisted living facilities, skilled nursing centers, basically anything involving residential healthcare types of residences, I should say. So that was really fun to, to kind of get my chops in brokerage and understand everything that goes into the brokerage world. Really enjoyed the experience there, but wanted to broaden my horizons a bit. I love brokerage, but didn't want to be pigeonholed into just one industry or one type of sale. Certainly when it comes to these businesses, there is so much regulation and change going into it every year because you are dealing with people's health. 
it's not like selling an apartment or those types of things, but there's a lot of layers and always regulatory changes that can be a little bit frustrating. Knowing where I wanted to be in the future professionally and with aspirations of owning a business of my own someday, wanted to work across different industries from a broker's perspective. And that's where I found Raincatcher. I was thinking as you were talking about all the steps that you've made in your career, right? From smaller companies to larger companies to sales to in a growth company and then watching it get sold, right? And then working in a highly regulated environment. And that's real estate-based, service-based, you know, recurring revenue-based. I think about the developing the fabric of your experience. Before we move off of that, how do you think that fabric of experience helps you when you're talking to business owners now? Because I have that fabric of experience and I've worked in so many different industries and types of businesses, being able to relate to multiple business owners now based on what their industry may be or the problems that they're facing, I've encountered so many problems and obstacles that business owners have ran into. That wealth of experience across different industries really helps you have that empathy that is required when working for business owners in the role that I'm in today. And I think lends itself well to say, hey, I've been through this with this company before, or yeah, we've tackled that obstacle at this point in my career. Bringing that kind of experience is very helpful as Raincatcher does work industry-wide and we are industry agnostic. It helps bring that experience to various industries and various times that a business may be in. You know, We're working with businesses that are just getting started for the most part and maybe are just looking for evaluation, a little bit of advising on how to build their business to, to be ready to sell down the road. Some have been around for 30, 40 years and are at the very end of their personal road with that business, and we have to navigate some obstacles there. So I think by taking the track of working across different businesses and organizations and industries just continues to grow my knowledge base and not just be focused or hyper-specialized in in one area, and I, I find that to be an advantage. Been there, seen that, right? Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, so how did you and Raincatcher run across each other and what made you decide to work with Raincatcher? Yeah, sometimes timing can just be everything in this world. I was at that previous brokerage firm and and starting to really think in the back of my head, I love brokerage. I like working with business owners. I want to try this out in different industries. About that time, I'd started to look around a little bit and had connected with Marla on, on LinkedIn had done a little bit of research into Raincatcher and saw that they were, in terms of being industry agnostic, the size and types of deals that I was interested in working, not necessarily these giant M&A transactions, but more of your salt of the earth business owner people that, in my opinion, are part of what really makes America great as small business opportunity here. So being able to engage with those types of business owners across multiple industries was a huge draw for me as well as just Marla in general. As the leader, she did a great job of not only giving me confidence in Raincatcher and where they were headed, but now that I'm here day to day, her ability to react quickly to changes or things that us as her brokerage team may be suggesting is amazing. And again, she just really instills confidence in the team in a positive way. Of course, as a CEO, she's got to make sure that the businesses continue to be profitable and growing. and, And that's what I've seen since I've been here is that steady growth in a pursuit to get into larger deals, bigger deals. So the opportunity to grow with the business during this phase was something that really was enticing. I mentioned it before. I really liked the idea of working with the company kind of in the early stages of growth. Raincatcher has been around for a little while, but once Marla took over as CEO, she really changed the vision a bit, changed the long-term goals of the business. And that growth trajectory 
is something that excites me. I really like the idea of being a part of that journey, achieving those goals. And so far, it's been a very exciting journey, a very fun one. And again, being able to work across multiple industries has been incredibly enlightening and very exciting. When you're working on any given day, a concrete business. And then a couple hours later, you're working on a cotton candy manufacturer. Um, I'm constantly fascinated by the different ways people can make money in this country. It's been a really exciting journey so far. I think about in the podcast space, when you talk to various and sundry business owners and they have insight into their niche Mm -hmm. and you get tutored almost every time. And so I think about how much when you talk to all the business owners and the wealth of knowledge that comes from those discussions, the various industry groups, the more you see distinctions and commonalities mm-hmm. you know, between the business owners. Marla, in talking to her, was talking about their focus. She's a huge fan of the business owner. How do you see that basically played out within your organization? Yeah, I think we have a really unique organization in that many of us were previous business owners or have been working with business owners for quite a while. And we really are starting to understand the personality that is required to, in fact, be a business owner. I give anybody who's willing to start their own business tons of credit just because it's a challenge. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of guts. And the pressure and stress that they go through on the day-to-day is something that is very hard to deal with. So I've got the ultimate respect for these business owners. And and you're exactly right. The opportunity to learn from their experience, get to know their industry, the way that they've tackled challenges and obstacles, it really is fascinating to me. Some of my favorite parts of the process are the early stages when you are kind of doing that due diligence on the business, finding out what's worked, talking through some other ideas maybe they've tried to implement that didn't go so well. And then again, kind of being able to bring the experience I have to the table and talk through some of the changes that I may suggest. And of course, just how exciting it is when you have that successful sale and see a business owner who's put their blood, sweat, and tears into something for so long, get the reward at the end that that they thoroughly deserve. Now, I was thinking about going back to the healthcare space where it was a service business and a real estate business. Mm -hmm. And I think about many business owners and they have the business and they may also have the real estate component. How do you find that past experience helping people that have both the real estate and the business component when you're talking with them? Yeah, you're exactly right. When it came to senior housing and the healthcare component, a lot of the value does sit in the real estate. Some business owners had taken the opportunity to sell the real estate and just operate the business so that they wouldn't have to worry about that or get some cash flow to pump into the business through the sale of the real estate. What I would say in general, just being in that industry is, complexities involved in making those transactions are, in my opinion, about as complex as you can get in this world. So if you can navigate those muddy waters and get through there, I'm under the impression that there's most industries you can get through once you've done a skilled nursing facility, for example. <laughs> just a few rakes, just a yeah, few. Just, just a couple that are changing every other week. <laughs> You're working with the business owner. If you were to distill down, what's the most important thing that you do that helps that business owner when they're beginning to look to sell? Yeah, I think it's so simple and basic, but just getting a business owner to wrap their mind around the process and what is involved. I think there are a lot of business owners out there who maybe aren't that forward thinking. So when they're ready to sell, it's something that maybe they just thought of that day and they want to get started tomorrow and they don't really understand everything that is truly involved. So I think the most important thing that we can do for a business owner is just sort of set the stage. Of course, doing the valuation for them, letting them know exactly what their business is worth in the market today, you know, through our opinion, 
the timing that is involved. I think there are some business owners that think, okay, I'm ready to sell. Maybe in a month, I'll be out of here. But they don't realize that this is a very long-winded transaction, okay? It's not something that just happens overnight. And due to the robust nature of Raincatcher services, it takes some time, right? We really put a lot of effort into the marketing materials, finding the right targeted buyers, and running through the marketing process to bring buyers to the table. So I think just from the start is helping a business owner wrap their mind around what is involved in the sale of their business, because there's a lot. Certainly some of the challenges that get involved with this include the emotional aspect of things. Business owners have put everything into the business a lot of the times, right? They've been through it all and they have a very keen self-awareness of everything that they have put into the business. When that happens, a lot of times valuations can be a little bit inflated in terms of what a business owner may think their business is worth. Perhaps they think they are ready until you get close to being able to sell. And then they start thinking, gosh, what am I going to do with my life now? What, what is my identity? My identity has always been so attached to this business. So helping them with the emotional response is also a really, really important thing, I think, during this process. I think about the potential buyer actually telling the business owner that their business is ugly. <laughs> it's probably a criticism that's unwelcome. It's not fun when we get a lowball offer and part of our obligation is we're going to share every offer with you to let you know what the market's saying, but it's not fun to uh, share those ones and say, yeah, yeah, this guy thinks your business is worth about half of what we're thinking. <laughs> I was thinking about this. So let's say you have a business owner that's ready to sell today and you had the opportunity to roll the clock back three to five years. What advice would you offer to that business owner that's trying to come to market today three to five years ago? Yeah, I think that's a great question and something that every business owner should think, even on day one of them starting a business, they should already be in the back of their mind thinking a little bit of structuring the business in such a way that a potential buyer down the road would be interested in. So one thing that I run into a lot and one thing I would definitely recommend is for any owner to start to relinquish some of their day-to-day -day responsibilities and really relinquish the dependence that their business may have on them. One of the first questions I always get from a buyer is, why are they selling and, and what is their role? What is their influence on the business? Oftentimes, business owners are the number one connection to their biggest client base and, and they're responsible for those relationships. That can be, again, with clients, that can be with suppliers and different vendors that they're using. But that's one of the most common problems that I run into is just so much owner dependence. I actually think it's a fairly simple one to solve on paper perspective. The challenge is, again, the emotional aspect of a business owner being able to relinquish those responsibilities and have the confidence and faith to say, yes, I trust this person to be able to handle what I was previously handling, or I trust this new process that we have implemented to take care of that same work that I was previously handling. So it's one of those things that's a little bit easier said than done. But when you're really talking about it, something as simple as hiring a general manager or some sort of management layer below you that gets to know everything that you know about the business, right? As a business owner, nobody knows or cares more about the business than you do. And by trying to pass as much of that along as you can, both not just from a knowledge base, but from an emotional base and, and caring and being passionate about it, I think is, is hugely important as well. We've been through this situation many times where we've told a business owner, hey, maybe let's wait one year to sell your business. Within this year, let's hire another management layer. Let's hire somebody below you that you can train up and be able to do everything that you're doing today. Maybe let's 
bring on some sort of software that can assist in this process that, that you're doing manually right now. And again, that makes it easier for a business owner to come in and just already have that process done. That's not one other thing that they need to relearn. All of those things can take time. And again, that you talked about it before, but as soon as a business owner really gets started or at least has the smallest thought in the back of their mind that one day they may want to sell, start thinking about the different ways to structure your business to make it more attractive to a buyer. I think about that just as a broad commentary. All these things that we talk about in the exit space or when you build your business to sell, frankly, is just good business. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get injured somewhere during your career, somebody can pick up the ball. Policies and procedures, making sure the business is not dependent on one person, whether it's you or your lead salesman, all of those things are really just good business principles. I think sometimes a business owner may be worried about the cash flow involved with making a new hire or changing your process a bit. But what's important to think about is you may be taking a small hit on your yearly P&L, but two years down the road when you sell your business for 20% more, because all the structure is there for a new buyer to come in, that's where the payoff really comes. It may not be right away, but the payoff will come down. Yeah, the focus on value creation. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. As we talk about that, there's a number of challenges in getting businesses sold like we've been talking about. And I think that within the industry, there's a fair amount of angst or complaining about advisors and brokers. And I think that they run, like every other industry, a gamut from really good to less than good. Let's chat about that for a little bit of what a seller should take in to consideration when selecting someone to help them. Yeah, certainly. If I'm a business owner looking to sell, I'm putting tons of work into the due diligence of any brokerage firm or, or any broker that I want to partner with. There really is a wide gamut of options out there, both from low fee options that you're probably going to get what you pay for in those scenarios, higher fee, more robust options where maybe you are getting a full brokerage firm or team behind you as opposed to an individual broker. I think it's very important for anybody looking to this to do their due diligence, find referrals and and find people who have had a positive experience, whatever group you decide to move forward with on the sale of your business, just do the work beforehand. Again, it's one of those things that's it's a pretty simple concept, but a lot of people fail to do it. Maybe they just don't think they have the time, but it's important to put a lot of work into researching who you plan to partner with. Part of that is, again, this is a long process, typically about six to nine months or so. In a way, it's a a long-term relationship that you're entering into, and you want to have confidence and trust in that person or that group. They're going to do everything required to make sure you get to a, a, a proper sale. Something that we see a lot are brokers that are very low fee, high volume is how I like to describe them. They're looking to get as many listings as they possibly can and just really flood their own listing page with with volume. They'll offer very, very low fees to a business owner on the sale of their business, but they aren't really putting in the effort of the work that is generally required to get something sold. It's kind of a get it listed, cross your fingers, hope somebody comes to you and and is interested and and seeks you out, but isn't really proactive in, in finding those buyers. I would say here at Raincatcher, we're pretty well in line with industry standards on our fees, but you are getting that robust service that that I mentioned. So it's not just one individual broker who's throwing some info on a website and hoping for the best. We've got a full marketing team. We've got a full brokerage team that for every deal we take on, you essentially have three different team members working on that deal in conjunction together so that if any broker would mention this, things get really busy sometimes and you need somebody to pick up the slack if you may be focused on another deal for that period of time. So having that team approach, I think is really, really important for any business owner who's looking for a brokerage firm 
to help them with the sale. I'll speak for myself in that I think people are very happy once they get down the road with ring catcher. Sometimes, again, it's the business owner who hasn't thought too much about selling their business and gets notified with a fee and maybe they get a little bit of sticker shock just because, again, they haven't really thought too hard about this process yet or everything that's involved in it. Or something else that happens a lot is is there's just a lot of noise out there in the industry. There are so many different opinions, so many different advisors that as a business owner, you're catching info from so many different directions and it can be challenging to know which is the best path for me in my situation. But again, yeah, I would just push really hard on any business owner to do your diligence, do your homework and make sure the group that you're going to partner with during this long and strenuous transaction is one that you're comfortable and confident is going to be working as hard as they can for you. You guys also have, I think one of the things that maybe a seller is not focused on is the inventory or database of potential buyers that you guys maintain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge. We have something over 10,000 different buyers within our database. Of course, not everybody's looking for the same thing, but over time, we've been able to build this great database based on key parameters of what our buyer may be looking for. So geographically speaking, of course, purchase price, different EBITDAs that they may be interested in, of course, industries as well. Being able to create that database like we have over the years, we have great strategic buyer lists that we're able to take deals to with confidence knowing, hey, this is what you guys are looking for. You have told us this is a fit for you. Let's talk through this deal. I would say about 70% of our buyers end up coming from that database. So it's been very fruitful for us. It's something that we're able to pass along for our sellers and say, hey, we've got this great buyer database here. I can come up with a good 100 names in here that from a high level are a good fit for your business. In the seller space as a business owner, can you draw the distinction between financial buyer and a strategic buyer? Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of different industries that we work with, of course. What we would say is a good strategic buyer as opposed to a financial buyer, thinking through some examples here about the cotton candy business before it's a cotton candy manufacturer. So we've been speaking to a lot of confectionaries, different food manufacturing businesses that are close in proximity to this specific seller, or even certain suppliers or other groups that are involved in the industry that this could be a good bolt on or or save them some money by bringing that service in-house. So those that are a good strategic fit are oftentimes within the industry or have a business that is closely related enough that this would be a really good synergies between the two. We often deal with financial players as well who they bring a lot of money to the table, but do plan on hiring either an operator that is experienced in that business or in that industry. But really what they're looking for is putting their money together and using that business owner or somebody within that industry using their knowledge base to grow that money, maybe make a little quicker of an exit in five or six years as opposed to purchasing the business for long-term ownership. As we think about the business owner's mindset, Do you guys get a lot of pushback from the business sellers on fees? I feel like there's two very distinct groups on that. There is the group that maybe they've tried to sell on their own, or they have been through the process on their own, and they have a little bit of experience in realizing that there's a lot that goes into it. It requires a lot of time, and it's a challenge to continue to run the business and keep performance going where it needs to be while also devoting so much time into the potential sale of the business. There's certainly that group. That group sees our fees and and sees what we put into it. They're like, thank you. Thank you. Please take this off my plate. Find me a buyer. I've been through this process. It's, It's a huge challenge, not one that I'm ready to undertake right now. The second group is that group that's just getting started and kind of wrapping their head around. Maybe we do want to sell what all is involved. 
What are the fees involved and who am I going to have to pay? And there can be some sticker shock to that. Part of our job when explaining our services is to really show them all the different successes that we've had, show them the level of detail we're willing to put into our information memorandums, our marketing materials, all of those types of things. I think that's something that helps us quite a bit is when we share some samples of the marketing materials and people say, wow, okay, this is very legit. You guys are putting a lot of time. You you guys are storytellers. You tell the story. Exactly. Exactly. And I think again, with all the noise that's out there, sometimes it's hard to kind of cut through the noise and realize what it is you have in front of you with some of these other brokers, like I mentioned, that are just maybe charging very, very low fees, but just sort of throwing up a listing on a website that can plant a seed in in the mind of a business owner that it shouldn't cost as much. But I think you'll see a direct correlation to the success that we have, our success rate versus, again, somebody who perhaps is coming in with a very, very low fee, but isn't putting in the the time and effort required to have a successful exit. I think about your comment earlier, says, you know, let's say we're talking to the business owner and you go, you know what, if you would push off the sale timeframe, you know, 12 months out, hire a manager and do a number of steps that would take and remove some of the doubt or angst from a potential buyer's eyes. Mm-hmm. When you look at the value creation from that process, mm-hmm. I would imagine that's a rare case where the sale price less fee is not taken care of. That a good investment to do that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a great point. I would say nine times out of 10, what you invested by partnering with a broker, a good strong broker, assuming you've done your homework, that's going to come back in the purchase price. You're going to get that and more in the overall purchase price. So it does end up being a very, very good investment. And I had mentioned this a little bit before, but just the time that is required to sell a business when a business owner maybe decides, I'm going to try to take that on myself. They get through the process. Things are going good. All of a sudden, a buyer says, okay, can I see these last two months of financials? How have you guys been doing? Most recently, it's great to see this yearly. They start to see a downward trajectory because this business owner has kind of taken his eye off the ball or is no longer devoting the required amount of time day to day on the business, business performance starts to drop, buyer starts to get a little bit shaky and a little bit uneasy as to what they're seeing and wondering if things are going in the wrong direction. And all of a sudden you've put all this time in, the buyer gets scared away and kind of back at square one. So it's uh, very important to be able to handle both, to be able to put in the time that's required to sell the business by partnering with a good group that's going to help you and support you along the way, but also still maintaining the day-to-day business maintenance, if you will, to continue performance at an increasing clip. Got to keep that trajectory going. Got to. Got to. For Raincatcher, they don't specialize, as far as I can tell, in any specific industry. Are there some industries right now that are selling or more attractive to buyers now? Yes, certainly. Any industry or business that has some sort of recurring revenue component is going to be very, very highly sought after out in the market. People really like the assurances that come with that recurring revenue. If you put yourself in the seat of a buyer, you want to purchase or acquire a business with pretty low risk. You don't want to come in and and be really nervous about what next month's revenues are going to be like or the following months. So when you find these businesses that have that strong recurring revenue, pretty easy to think of software as a service types of businesses. Property management is really, really big with this as well, just because you get that recurring revenue element to it. So those ones are one that we're seeing are are really, really popular. Actually seeing a bit of a jump in restaurants as well, which I think is pretty interesting. Of course, anything e-commerce is going to be fairly strong as long as you're showing the growth and trajectory that buyer is going to be looking for. Something that I've been 
spoken about or have been talked to quite frequently with buyers now, it's one of the, the first questions we get is, so how does this business handle an economic downturn, right? Well, what happens during the next recession? And there are a lot of businesses that you really don't have a great answer for it because the proof is there. You can look at the P&Ls and say, wow, that was a tough time for them as it was for a lot of people. The fact that we've been in this bullish economy for such a long time now, I think this is really in the back of the minds of a lot of buyers now. So some industries that become popular during these times are things that are a little bit more recession proof, if you will. So repair and maintenance type businesses, I think are really big. During those times, buyers aren't, or I should say consumers are not looking to buy something brand new, but say, okay, maybe we'll just fix this up and and do some maintenance and, and keep it running. So any business related to auto repair is a good example. Related to those kind of maintenance types of stuff, usually does pretty well right now as we approach what a lot of people think is a pending recession. And again, property management, I think, is really, really popular as well because a lot of people will continue to rent as opposed to purchase new homes during those economic downturns. Having a rental property or two, finding just anybody to come in and help maintain a rental property anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the companies that do that with some kind of reputation and frequency, I can understand the revenue stream. Yep. With many of the business owners, there's a disconnect between what I think they think their business is worth and then when they get ready to sell, they go, these two don't match up. What I thought I was going to sell and what you're bringing to the table. Let's dig into that a little bit. It's hard. It's a hard thing to navigate. Again, there's so much personal pride into a business that somebody has put so much work into that it can be a bit of a punch to the gut when maybe you get a valuation that isn't quite what you thought it would be. Maybe we're on the same page and thinking we have a really business here, but the market is telling us maybe it's not worth what what we had come up with as a valuation. There's so many different elements, variables, and factors going into a valuation, as well as just a perspective, right? We've got to try to put ourselves in the buyer's shoes as well. As a business owner, you're, again, so hyper self-aware of what you've built, everything that has gone into building that business from a time and and hard work perspective, a financial perspective, a lot of times you can kind of inflate in your head the quality of your business. Sometimes we just need to be realistic and say, you know what, this is what the market is telling us. I think we overvalue this a little bit. Either we go down this road at the value that the market is telling us, or let's talk about some different changes you can make to your business to increase value. So some of those things we touched on before, maybe we're a little bit early to the market. And if you have some time before you have to sell or there isn't that sense of urgency that says you have to do it today, let's start looking at some of these different value drivers, find out which ones are low and let's start pushing the value up. Certainly a challenging conversation when dealing with that, especially if you're already on the market, because at that point you're kind of contemplating, do we take this off the market and go for another bite of the cherry down the road? What does that, that say to potential buyers? Are they worrying? So there's a lot of things that go into it. What I would say is, just try to find those key areas of where value can be added and start working on those as soon as you can. To formalize this sellability or valuation thing, you guys have some pretty unique tools that you bring to the table. We do. We do. The sellability assessment is something that we have any of our partners go through prior to uh, really even giving that valuation. So what goes into that sellability assessment? Of course, there's a certain financial portion of that just looks at the numbers and says, okay, what is your revenue? What are your profits? Some of those more basic things. But I think what's so important about it is it touches on those key value drivers that we had mentioned before. So one of the big ones is concentration issues. We'll definitely ask some questions and try to get some more information related to 
customer concentration, a supplier concentration. Those are two really, really big ones that will bring your value down quite a bit. For example, we were able to sell a software business earlier this year where they have one client. So their one client was a specific state doing government work. They worked with multiple different divisions within the state, but they were getting a check from one entity that was their client. That made it a big challenge to figure out how do we value this and how do we get this on the market and explain it in such a way that doesn't just scare people away when they say, well, what happens if that one client is gone? The fact that we identified that right away and used that sellability assessment to appropriately value the business, it probably took them down a good 30, 40% overall because there's so much risk involved. But those are the kind of things that we're trying to figure out during that sellability assessment is any kind of red flag or obstacle that may spook a buyer a bit. Let's address it. Let's, let's make sure we know how to properly tell that story so that when we are sharing with buyers, they understand what exactly they're getting themselves into. So I really love the sellability assessment for that reason. It gets to touch on so many different things that drive value outside of just what the books look like. I think about that. So let's say I'm the business owner out there right now. And based on your experience, what are a few of the things that I can focus on that may help improve the value of my business or drive the value up? What would you tell them? Yeah. So touched on before, again, get rid of that owner dependency. Make sure you have a business that can run. If you went on vacation for a month or you got really, really sick, the business can run without you. That's a huge one. Have backups when it comes to vendors and your supply chain. Sometimes a business is completely predicated on an amazing supplier contract that you were able to put together. But if that supplier goes away, all of a sudden you lose 5% on your margins and values go in the wrong direction. And certainly putting that strong management in place and allowing a buyer to connect with that management is something that I see is really important as well. There could be a fear of letting any employees know, even if it's kind of your right-hand man, if you will, that you're looking to sell the business potentially and there may be a new owner coming in. I think if you can create a sense of loyalty with that management layer, maybe let a few of them know and allow them to get in front of a buyer as well and show that, hey, this business runs with us. We don't necessarily need this business owner. I think that's something that drives value so much. Anytime a business can get away from that owner dependence, it's very attractive. I can't tell you how many buyers come to the table to us saying, yeah, I'm looking for something that's owner absentee. Now, I don't think anything is 100% truly owner absentee. I don't think that exists. And if it does, maybe you're not running the business that well. But that's something that constantly gets brought up by buyers. That's semi-owner absentee or owner absentee. And you have to have a strong management layer in place for that. I think that's like an urban myth. I want some (laughs) passive income that I don't have to do anything for. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. It's a unicorn to me. But yeah, it comes up all the time. For that business owner, we talked about some of the things that they can do to try to enhance the value. What are some of the mistakes that you see them make maybe they should avoid? Yeah. So it's really important to keep that trajectory going. I think some folks have 10 years of really great numbers. Maybe the last couple are going in the wrong direction and they want to sell based on those previous numbers when things were doing really, really really well. A lot of people want to sell based on potential. Of course, every buyer is going to want to buy on historical performance. So I think it's important just to continue trying to grow. Even if it's small growth, it's 3%, something like that. It's still very important to show that the business is heading in the right direction if if you want to get a strong value on your business. The other one as well, in terms of what's going to bring it down is the opposite of what we just talked about, having that strong management layer in place. 
when somebody comes in and says, okay, Mr. Owner, talk to me about your day-to-day. And they say, yeah, I'm putting in 12 hours every day, six days a week, but business is doing amazing. And they think because the numbers are so great and the profit is up 25% over the previous year, if they're not willing to really put in a lot of time on a transition effort, no buyer is going to be interested in that because they realize those numbers are 100% dependent on that owner. Without his presence there, those numbers wouldn't be there. So when they come in, they know the first couple of years are going to be a big struggle and that's going to bring your value down quite a bit. Yeah, I can't harp on it enough that having no dependence on yourself as a business owner and no dependence on one vendor, supplier, or one customer, that's going to be the biggest killers in terms of deal value. So tricks you've learned along the way, what might they be to help get a business sold? Yes. So something that actually goes both ways. I'll tell a trick on, on each side. One, don't be afraid to cut bait. There are times where you know, maybe we're spending so much time on this one buyer and they're kind of giving us indications that there's some interest, but you really catch yourself being the one that's doing all the motivating and really selling very, very hard to get them interested. If a buyer isn't that interested and over a couple of week time, they aren't showing much motivation, you should really be spending your time going for another buyer or focusing your efforts on bringing more buyers to the table. Now, on the other side of that coin, I think it's important to not give up easily either on potential buyers. Being very relentless in trying to come up with creative structures or ways that a deal can get done can be all the difference. I've been on both sides where I think I maybe have left the deals too soon or didn't quite work out all the different ways that maybe we could have created a win-win situation and made both parties happy when kind of at a end of the road here. There are times where we did exactly that. We just kept putting our heads together and saying, okay, what if we had this seller note or created an earnout structure or had some sort of standby on when those loan payments are due for you so that their cash flow is good at the start. It's important to have that positive mindset that there's always a solution because a lot of times there is. But again, like I said at the start, if you're having that feeling that this buyer isn't your buyer and they're not putting the same amount of effort into getting that deal done as you, time to cut bait and and find another buyer. Best piece of advice either you've received or you might offer. Yeah. So something that was told to me by my dad a long time ago is happiness is a clear conscience. And I think that's something that can go across your personal life or your professional life. And certainly in a role like this, there's a lot of responsibility. When a business owner who, again, has put so much time, money, and effort to build what they've been able to build comes to you and says, hey, we want to partner with you to sell this business. We want to partner with you to ensure my retirement is is as nice and and cushy as I'd like it to be. Or we want to hire you on for the responsibility of getting us the fruits of our labor over these past 20 years. It's a big responsibility. And I think having a clear conscience in this role is turning over every rock, making sure that we've thought of every single solution to, to get it sold. You know, you've reached out to every buyer that could possibly be interested in this deal. And knowing inside that you've done everything that you can think of to help push a deal along kind of brings you that clear conscious. And and I think that's where happiness is derived. Folks out there and the potential business owners that are considering selling, how do they find you on social media? Perfect. So you can find me, Mark Halma on LinkedIn. Great way to find me. Another way is just an email. That's probably the quickest and fastest way to get a hold of me. I'm in my email all day. That address is mark at raincatcher.com. For me, I'm involved with business owners. I'm a business owner myself, a number of small businesses. And if you're that business owner there saying, you know, it's coming or I'm thinking about it, the best thing that they can do is to reach out to you. 
the worst thing they can do is wait until an event takes them out, whether industry change, disruption, or a health event, because we're all going to exit our businesses one way or another at some point. And so I would urge them to take and reach out and have a conversation with you. So I think that's great. And even if you don't think you're quite ready, we're not the type of group that's going to push anyone to sell that isn't ready because that's not advantageous to us for some of those reasons we we touched on before. But we can start to plant some seeds in your mind of, of some small changes or things to start thinking about as that date approaches, even if it's five years away. We'll be here when you're ready. We're happy to lend some advice and do a little consulting for you to put you on the right path so that down the road when you are ready, we've built that trusted relationship and you know where to turn. And you guys have the tools that they can use as well to kind of see where they are. Exactly. There's multiple offerings that we're happy to provide for a business owner free of charge without charging high consulting rates or anything like that. For us, it's all about the relationship. We really want to build that trusted relationship with business owners, knowing that they may not be ready to sell, but it may be three years down the road that they're ready. But if they know that, gosh, we can come to Raincatcher, they're going to give us honest advice and put in the effort now that we're ready to sell. That's a group that I want to partner with. That's the the ultimate goal for us. Well, Mark, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time out of your day with us and appreciate all your insights into the process. Definitely appreciate it, Bob. It was a pleasure and hope we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. We'll call it good. Thanks Thanks. now.